Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Moms are amazing at tracking down hard-to-find items. Library books, socks, you name it. But sometimes help is welcomed. Care.com makes it easy to find babysitters near you. Sitters with the experience and skills your family needs, like after-school pickup and homework help. You just post a job for qualified sitters to apply. And since all Care.com caregivers are background checked, you can feel confident about interviewing and hiring. To get the child care help you need, sign up now at Care.com. You want to go. Yes, go travel, go explore, go find a new city, go reconnect with friends, go have fun. That's why we created OnGo, the trusted rapid COVID-19 self-test. OnGo gives you accurate COVID test results and peace of mind in just minutes. So anywhere you go, you know. You'll know if you're COVID-19 free, and you'll know you're protecting loved ones. OnGo is readily available at letsongo.com, Amazon, Walgreens, or Walmart.com. Use promo code ONGO15 for 15% off at letsongo.com today. The following episode of Killer Genes contains graphic and sensitive information and material. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Killer Genes Stripped Down, where we talk about everything true crime and then some. You'll hear about the cases that are close to us and go behind the scenes of true crime reporting. We'll also talk about case updates and breaking news, as well as speak with some of our friends and colleagues in the world of true crime. Now, we're going to be sharing things we've never been able to talk about because certainly inappropriate to post online, but this is the platform that we can finally share it, what really happens when gathering true crime stories. So let's get to it. Joining us on this episode of Strip Down Behind the Scenes, we have television and film creator Doug Ellen, who most notably is known for the HBO mega hit Entourage, where he was nominated for many Emmys and ended up winning his first Emmy for a film that he did, a sports documentary, When the Garden Was Eden. But all in all, he is just an incredible storytelling storyteller, and he is joining us today. Thanks. What's going on, guys? Doug, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. This is kind of a fun episode for us because it kind of deviates a little bit from, you know, from our usual norm. But, you know, all the rage these days is is true crime and true crime programming. And, you know, what was your uh, what, when was your interest sparked in, in true crime? So, I, you know, I've been a true crime guy forever also. But but Fatal Vision was one of the first things I saw, which was Joe McGinnis. And um, I had actually read the book before the movie came out. And, and Gary Cole, who played um, uh, uh, Jeffrey, I'm blanking on his name now, the doctor, surgeon who killed his wife. Um, Gary Cole, who's a great actor, was on Entourage, actually. But um, I read that book probably, you know, when I was 11 or 12 years old. And then they made a TV movie about it or, or whatever. And, um, you know, it, it's been those uh, type of things like everybody else who gets into that true crime wave. I've read so many books from, you know, In Cold Blood, which obviously everybody knows who's really into it and Helter Skelter. Um, but, you know, I've gone down that rabbit hole. And during the pandemic, um, I've spoken to Melissa about this a little bit. But I mean, I, I watched for the first six months, I watched Dateline in 2020s every single day, which are, you know, the the mild versions of, of going into the details of some of these things. But that was kind of my pandemic watch at the beginning. And then we had what, um, um, 
you know, what, I'm blanking on the name of it. Tiger King. Tiger King was the big one that everybody started watching. That was a great one. Making a Murder was a great one. Whatever they come on, I'm, I'm into it. And I try to, you know, uh, catch them the second they get out before everybody starts talking about them. So. Do you ever take as a creator and, you know, for our audience, he is, uh, I mean, writing is difficult. It, it, it truly is. You have to get the voice of, of the characters. The storyline has to be compelling and you have to, you know, weave in emotion. And so it's, it is a difficult uh, responsibility, but do you do it differently when it's true, when the person's alive and you know that they're watching? How do you, how do you differ from fiction and nonfiction writing? Well, I mean, obviously what the the tone of what you're doing is, you know, affects that. I mean, I, I was I was not writing, but I was producing a, a Harriet Tubman movie based on a, a book by Kate Larson. And um, I brought a writer in to write it. And of course, he was an incredible historian. And we were all um, really highly concerned with getting as much of the facts as were written in that book, correct, you know, because it's such an important story. But, you know, Entourage, for instance, which was inspired by, you know, Mark Wahlberg's life. Um, I said to him day one, I said, listen, I need to I need to use what works and I need to make up what doesn't because it wasn't a, a biography. It was meant for entertainment. So I think, you know, for me, if I was writing something about a true character that, you know, really was historical and and meant a lot to people, whether it was a murder or a crime of any kind, I would want to be as accurate as possible. And I think, you know, we all know that the first job of a movie or a TV show is to entertain. It just is. So people take liberties with those things, no, no matter what they are. But for me, if I was writing something about a murder, I, I would want to be, you know, as clear as I can. And also my true crime thing, you know, I, you know, Marty Tankloff, who I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he was my waiter at camp and he was arrested for killing his parents and served over 20 years in jail until he was finally exonerated. And, you know, those stories, he's now a lawyer, like you guys should definitely be doing something on him. Um, and, you know, again, I don't even want to speak to the details of it like I really know them, but as in these cases, there was a business partner who had a problem with the father that disappeared the next day. And then you had this this kid who uh, was not very socially aware. And and when interviewed by the police, the next thing you know, he's in jail for 20 years. And I think maybe Oprah put him on or something like that, that that helped uh, get him exonerated. But now he's like a big I think he's like a big lawyer that helps, um, you know, uh, um, defendants. So I'm always been fascinated by this stuff. And. You know, my ex-wife lives five houses. My house, my old house uh, three years ago was 10 houses from the Menendez brothers house. So um, I always think about that. Like my ex-wife was living in in that house, 10 houses away from them when that happened. And um, when it when it kind of hits home like that and she went to high school with them, it's it's just fascinating stuff, you know. Well, let's talk about that case because it's in the news. It's very relevant. Do you think that all evidence presented present day they deserve an early release you know look i'm uh i'm like a, a mix of a liberal and a conservative and um part of me goes something must have happened when two kids decide together to kill their parents and everything allegedly about um this father was just he was an awful person does that mean he deserved to die no and but I think 
I think at some point there's a lot of crimes where people are getting out. So, um, you know, it's tough to weigh in on that because I don't know all the facts of the story, but I think they've served a long time. And I think when you see the interviews with all of the people that talk about people really hated that guy. And um, I think what some people can't comprehend, even if he didn't sexually abuse them, which I'm not going to debate, I have obviously I have no idea. I think that the terror that those kids must have lived in, which, you know, maybe is my my mindset of not comprehending how you could kill your parents. Um, But I used to do a stand up act about this and talk about like when two, like who brings that up first? Hey, you know, Eric, what do you think if we uh, shotgun our folks tonight in the house? It's like there's got to be something bad that was happening. And the fact that they confessed to a therapist, um, I think it should be certainly looked at, you know. Doug, that brings up an interesting topic. You said, you know, when when two people get together and actively decide to to do this crime, do you think, and I'm not asking, you know, for you to turn into a psychologist or anything like that, but do you think evil people are born or are they made? Well, I think that's, you know, what, what the interesting thing, I think people who aren't capable of doing some of these acts, that's why we watch this stuff and are so fascinated. And we watch people like Ted Bundy and we like, I can't believe what could I actually be next to someone who who didn't know. And by the way, I grew up with, you know, he wasn't a serial killer, but he murdered five people. And I know him since kindergarten. I'm not shocked. I wasn't like, oh, my God, I can't believe Chris would do that because I knew how crazy he was our whole life. So when you hear these stories where people are like, I live next door to this guy or I never saw anything wrong with him, you always go, really? Like, is is that true or not? So, um I think it's a combination of both. And I think it's one of the things going on in society now, which part of me is, is, is up for and part of me is not. But I think that like anything else, there are weak-minded people. And when they are put in situations where that's beaten down on them, they can react in ways that I think some stronger-minded people would not. Uh, that being said, I do think there's pure evil that's just born, but I do think that abusive parenting, um, bullying, especially when someone is young and if they are a certain type, I believe can lead to stuff that if they were raised in a different environment would not have happened. But again, like you said, I'm not a psychologist. Um, I just know I grew up around with a lot of kids and I, I saw a lot of effects from bad parenting especially on the ones that you could already tell just didn't have that kind of fire to make decisions for themselves at that early age. So, But I think that there are seeds planted early on, right? Especially with teenagers that kill mental, emotional seeds. And there was this title of this old show that just kind of nailed it. It was called Snapped. And I do think there is a split second moment where you have um, an underdeveloped emotional mentally not unstable, but just not fully developed mind that truly does snap in a moment when they feel like they're pressed against the wall. And even when I, when Kelly and I worked on crime watch daily with Chris Hansen and traveling the country, confronting killers. And I always knew that if they were the killer that I had to confront, it would be a moment of, okay, 
do, am I making them feel like their back is up against the wall and the jig is up? They've, you know, she's got me. Police didn't. She's got, I always had that fear that they were going to go out guns blazing, take down the, the crew, you know, <laughs> in the, yeah. in the reporter yeah, in their I'm face. Sure. But it is, it's at, it's a, I think it's a split second decision for a lot of these, these crimes, but it's the emotional buildup over time. We all know like when life is great and things are good, you're less likely to do something stupid. But, you know, we know people who have incredible tempers that have everything in life. So I imagine if they had nothing and imagine if they were backed against the wall in situations all the time. So, again, I'm not excusing any of it. Like um, if the Menendez brothers like, you know, really just plotted to do this because they wanted money, which, again, it seems strange that they would confess to the therapist if that was the case. Um, but they still have done 30, 35 years. Um, and nobody, yeah, there's nobody who says a good word about this father. Like there was no one, there was no one who was like, he was the most gentle, loving man you've ever seen. So, um, so part of me goes both ways, but at the same time, you know, when you see these random murders, you know, this 16 year old girl murdered in the park, which is just an, uh, an opportune moment. I, I have, I have zero empathy for those guys. I don't care how old they are. It means nothing to me. But I do think growing up in an abusive household can really do something to children. And again, I'm not I don't like I don't know if anyone's going to say, oh, I'm defending people who we don't know what they did. But uh, for anyone who is in an abusive relationship, I do wish there were laws that like almost allowed you to get away with certain things <laughs> if that does happen for battered women, etc. You know, yeah. So. I, well, I think the pro- the agencies like the Innocence Project, but there's there's so many that are getting better at arguing uh, harsh sentencing and at least a sentence yeah. reduction. And we're working on a few of those as well, which I, it's a start, you know, but yeah, yeah the defense, yeah. the self-defense law is tough. It, it's tricky with, with certain cases and, um, but the random act of violence is what we're seeing more and more of, uh, which is, yep. uh, I can't even fathom that it's, it's so bad. What do you think is, you mentioned it a little bit. What is the fascination of, of this world that we're in true crime? Why do you think it's so addictive? And, you know, do you see, see it getting escalating in a sense and is it good for society you know that we are addicted to this kind and listen i i create this content and i'm torn emotionally over it we do it for our own reasons of victim advocates finding justice but there is an addiction to it i'm not a person who goes into what's good or bad about society because i do believe in personal responsibility freedom of choice and uh, non-censorship so um i've always been fascinated with crime i've always was fascinated with violent video games they've never made me want to act out in a way so when other people determine that oh this is causing this and we don't have a, a clue in my mind what's causing what and what would be happening if if these things weren't on tv i don't think uh, people see, you know, a serial killer and go, wow, I never thought about killing anybody, but I really enjoyed that program. So I'm going to go kill someone now. So I think that um, getting into the minds of anyone is valuable. And I think for me, why I am so fascinated by these things is because what I said earlier, I watch murderers do things and I just it's so incomprehensible to me that I try to 
um, come up with some logical explanation for how this could have happened. And I think that's what happens throughout history. And it's why it's so dangerous that, that things can continue to repeat themselves, whether it's, you know, genocides or, or whatever, because people who are decent can't even comprehend that there's people out there who would do the things that happen. So um, I, I think they're valuable entertainment. And I also think they're interesting psychological studies. So I, I hopefully that answers the question, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't judge what's good or bad for society. I think, uh, I think anything that can keep people in their own homes might be better for us because they're not out doing anything bad anyway. So, Hey, for everybody out there who loves cannabis, we know that it's not legal in all states just yet, but there is a company that went all in on creating CBD products that will give you the same high. CBDX is revolutionizing the CBD game by incorporating Delta 8 THC, which is a federally legal form of THC that you will absolutely feel. Ah, we've tried it. Trust me, you'll feel it. The CBDX product line comes in buds, gummies, concentrates, and vape cartridges. And get this, it's shipped directly to you, so there is no need to go to a dispensary or a vape shop or pay additional taxes. Melissa, you know that I have trouble sleeping, and I tried the CBDX vape, and honestly, I'm a converter. I first felt totally relaxed, and then the next thing I knew it, I was waking up feeling totally refreshed. Oh, and listen, we have to tell you, though, that the CBDX products will show up as THC on a drug test and, of course, never drive or operate heavy machinery when using the CBDX products because, as Kelly said, you will feel it. So if you want to go and give it a try, head to CBDX.com. That's four letters, CBDX, and use the code KILLER for 20% off and a free gift. Doug, what are you seeing in Hollywood these days when it comes to true crime? Is, you know, our our networks and film houses just like, bring us true crime, bring us true crime, or are you seeing it more in a scripted sense as, or taken from, you know, based on actual events? What are you seeing? What are you seeing in Hollywood right now? I mean, I'm not a true crime guy in terms of profession. I've never, I don't think I've ever had a project that was a true crime uh, thing, but we see, I mean, we know that every streaming service, that's what they want because a, they're inexpensive to produce and B they just, they work. I mean, even the bad ones get viewed, you know? So, you know what? I'm trying to write as little as possible now in any form. I'm actually sitting here writing a script right, right now, but uh, it, it's just not my thing. You know, it's, it's not my thing for writing. It's something more that I would enjoy. Would I get involved and then find a writer? Like, um, yeah, that I've done many times with different projects, but I haven't had one come to me that I that I felt was interesting. Although maybe, like I said, Marty Tankloff is an interesting story. You guys should definitely look at that um, for the podcast. Oh, we definitely will. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about. Um, so you have Victory the podcast, which I I saw that launch. You know, and whoa, I mean, millions and millions of downloads. I feel like within weeks it was. I mean, I'm. I, it was impressive to see Victory the podcast soar like that. And you also have Hollywood Ways, 
um, with the podcast one family. So, um, but you also have, you have those two accounts and you have your Doug Ellen account on social <laughs> media. You see where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, you were banned from social mm. media and I, it was, is it a permanent band? I'm actually back, although I can't sign in yet. So I'm waiting to see if finally they'll, you know, they keep telling me to to sign in and then it says it's going to send me a password to my phone number and the password never comes. So, you know, as I said earlier, I'm not a, a big fan of censorship and um, I'm also not a person who believes that people should be uh, advocating for violence on social media and that should be monitored and checked. But me, I have, as many minor celebrities do, get a ton of abusive messages and to be honest with you, they don't really bother me. I use them to further my own causes and I I repost <laughs> them. I, I call them out. I call them bitches and many other things. And I'm not really sure what I did that that went over the line. I think that Instagram over the last eight weeks has really come up with some computer algorithms that are letting people know quickly and efficiently like you can't even joke around about threatening people or or any and again i i was not accused of threatening or racism or anything like that but you know i i told someone you know melissa but i told my friend scott that i i could beat him in ping pong with my phone meaning like i could use this as a paddle as opposed to a paddle and it flagged me for like threatening to beat him so that was my first one. And then the second one, somebody called me, uh, as I as happened many, many times, a dirty Jew or this and that. And I wrote whatever I wrote to them, which, again, there were no threats, just you're a fucking loser or whatever it is. All of a sudden, I, I got another warning and my account started spinning and it just was gone. But what about you know, those the- people that are attacking you? Because I've seen some of these. Kelly, the hatred that he gets, you know, yeah. so what what are what about the assailants verbal throwing these well, verbal daggers? You're the, the well, easy I, target as a public figure. I now spoke to people at Instagram, so I will. I'm hoping I'll be back today. But um, they said I it doesn't matter. You cannot respond in ways that they don't want you responding to report it. And that's it, which is fine, by the way. I'm not I'm not of this mindset that um, that Instagram is a free platform to say whatever the hell you want. It's their company. They can let you know what you can say. They just need to let people know the rules because I've been on for, you know, 10 years having people say, you know, I've had people threaten to kill me. I've had and I've seen, by the way, many people threaten to kill other people on Instagram that are still on Instagram. So um, I just think they need to make it very clear, which I think they're doing now They're, I mean, I don't know if you're, you're getting any messages, but they're letting people know very quickly. And they're also, you know, your videos now, if you're speaking, the words are coming up as subtitles automatically. I don't think they're going to allow much cursing. Um, So, you know, it'll have to be figured out. But again, I have no problem with it as long as it's on a level playing field for everybody, you know? And I see that a lot, Doug. I see that a lot in the true crime world, you know, especially one of the things that I specialize in, I guess, shall we say, is is a case of uh, suicide or murder, you know, where somebody is is found dead and – you know, law enforcement rules it a suicide and the family thinks, you know, you know, something more sinister was at work. And we see a lot of these families, especially with those types of cases and as well as, you know, longtime unsolved murders, but where they think they know who who's done it. But, you know, no arrests have been made. And these 
families, you know, take to social media to express their uh, how do I say this? Their their unhappiness with law enforcement or the investigation, and a lot of times, then those families get backlash for speaking out against it. So, in the world of true crime, and I know you know you're kind of not in the world of true crime in that sense, but what can what can social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, do better to to help some of these victims and their families? It's such a difficult question because again and i'm not speaking on a side like the kyle rittenhouse case right now which to me i think the kid's mentally ill like he's a perfect example of someone when i watch this kid testify i go this is a mentally ill guy how did his parents there's zero percent chance in the house that i grew up in that my parents were letting me walk out of the house with an ar-15 it just it it wouldn't have happened so i don't and again i don't want to speak about But Joe Biden comes out and says he's a white supremacist, which maybe he is, maybe he's not. But the fact that the president and I'm not singling out Biden, Trump would do the same thing when there were were cases. I just think the system is supposed to work without, you know, prejudice and to have the media or social media try to try cases, I think is a terrible thing. I don't know how you stop it. Um, because we see it every day. And now we've got two trials going on right now. And again, you know, one of them to me, there's nothing to talk about. The Arbery case, I, I don't care what evidence they give me. They should hang those three fucking guys. There's nothing to talk about. It's not because I'm a liberal. The other one, which look, this kid carrying this weapon and that's should be a crime in itself. But whether he actually feared for his life when he returned is the law. And there should be a trial that determines, you know, what exactly happened there. And the fact that people like LeBron James get on their social media and basically, you know, laugh in this kid's face while he's on trial when they don't care about the facts or or call out a police officer who, you know, whether the law is right or not, was defending a girl who was about to be stabbed six months ago. And that's okay. I just think there's just, you know, there, there's a, a problem with who they're allowing to say what they say. And that that's my issue. So, I mean, you can get the attention. You can solve cases through social media. I mean, even don't fuck with cats. It was solved by. Yes. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it is an effective tool. And for all the families out there that feel that they have evidence, there are a lot of agencies that don't do efficient investigations. And you have to apply that kind of pressure to really make a change. Kelly and I have worked on those stories where movement yeah. happens because people like us show up and, you know, spotlight yeah. it or yeah. social. We, and we find it on social media media but then also my pet peeve it is when notable people comment about cases without being informed use your platform do it that's great yeah. but please read a few articles read you know get informed before you make a statement because right. it, it makes people there is especially with murder cases that i've covered there is uh this vigilante kind of um, take matters into your own hand approach where they will go and attack someone and make it to where they don't want to live anymore. They want to move. They have to quit their jobs. And that's heartbreaking to me is when people go and attack the way that they do, especially when the information isn't even accurate. It's a bad system. And I don't know how you, you you can't legislate ignorance and, you know, 
there are people who have their angles and there are people who believe what they believe. But, you know, I was I was actually talking about this last night. I remember if you remember this case, but this couple was on their honeymoon on a boat alone and he came back to shore by himself. And they basically said he killed his wife, which he swore he didn't. And as I remember it, everyone was against him. And then they found her like alive on a twig in the middle of the ocean three weeks later. And she was like, I love my husband. I fell overboard. And he would have been in jail for life if they didn't find her for life. And, And the reality is, is also people want, which is I know you guys said this in the notes before this, like and I hate it, too. I hate episodes of a true crime thing where they don't convict somebody. It really bothers me that I wasted my time watching this. But the truth is, we know how often people are framed. We know how often innocent people are convicted. We know how often innocent people are gotten off and they spend the rest of the life being followed by people who just keep accusing them of doing something, even if there's really proof. I mean, again, I'm not a big fan of the Central Park jogger case because they were out beating people up anyway. But unless I'm fucking nuts, it was proven without a doubt, not even a reasonable doubt that they did not rape the jogger, but Trump still wants to come out and say they did it anyway. And there's no recourse for anybody for, you know, and they'll spend the rest of their lives going. I didn't do it. And a lot of people will never believe them, even though the DNA has proven that they didn't. So we've met a lot of people like that. And that's what's heartbreaking is something like that. It's a life destroyer and you never really make a comeback from that. And that that's what's so. Yeah. And that's why you have to take this this industry and what we do so seriously, because it's the weight. It's the weight. I don't know. I feel the weight is heavy that we carry, Kelly. I don't know if you feel the same, but it's. It, it's stressful at times. You know, you got to get it right. Absolutely. And, you know, Doug, just to go back to what you just said is, you know, you hate it when there's no no resolve at the end. But imagine being that family, the, the victim's family that never get these answers, you know, and that is the most heartbreaking to me. I can't. It's it's an absolutely horrific thing to even have to go through these stuff. And when there is no closure and the fact, again, that there are so many sick, sad people out there who terrorize families that are going through this stuff. Um, you know, it's but again, I don't have the answer to how to solve that. The fact of the matter is humanity is not a great group. It just isn't. There are so many disastrous, screwed up people out there. And um, I just again, we're talking two separate things, whether social media should legislate how that stuff happens. Uh, that I don't know, because they don't know what should be said and what shouldn't be said, you know, when someone is finding evidence about a case that, you know, they may be a crackpot or they may really have something. Um, it's, it's tough for anyone to know. So I think, you know, part of the point, I hope that social media will just be like, you can't just slander someone just cause you think you have the facts. You have to go through the judicial system as fucked up as it is, as slow moving as it is, there's no other option that's going to make society actually function properly. So, Doug, I got to ask this, and I know you said you know not really a fan of writing these days, but if there is one case throughout history that you could turn into a film or a series, what would it be? One case, God, there's so many. I mean, I am like you know, I love what the Innocence Project does, and there are so many. That's the real problem. They all are so freaking compelling when you hear them. And when you see, you know, even the, the, even the Central Park case, that was a phenomenal documentary. Um, 
to think that they take kids into a room who don't have parents with them and who aren't even educated on this. And the thing that the media does, which drives me crazy, as soon as someone is arrested, they're guilty. It's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, now difference because I did use my social media because the, the Gabby Polito case was Long Island. And it wasn't that I was saying this guy murdered her, but I was saying this guy knows something and needs to talk because, as you guys know, after 48 hours, you know, it's a big difference in finding somebody. Now, of course, I thought he did it from the get go. But my point is, is there's, you know, there's a system in place that I think, which I don't want to get into too much trouble, but I think financial inequality is really the major problem that's going on in this country, both in the justice system uh, and everywhere. And um, I don't necessarily think it's all just racism. It's the fact that if you are a poor person who gets arrested and can't hire proper defense and really is innocent. But I tell my kids, even though um, I have some money and could handle it, and my kids, fortunately, have never been in any kind of real trouble. But I always tell them. And by the way, my ex-father-in-law is a police officer. My son volunteers for the police department. And I still tell them, you do not talk. You just say, I'm getting a lawyer. And they can go write 500 articles to make you feel guilty that that you're hiding something or you're doing this. But the fact of the matter is people have a job and police officers jobs are to solve crimes and prosecutors jobs are to put people away. And when people are motivated financially to do their jobs like that, they obviously are going to be, whether consciously or unconsciously, biased. And if there's an easy way to solve a murder and become a hero, there's a lot of people who are going to do that, even if they're not intentionally doing it. So, I mean, we could do an entire series on young people being interrogated and whether that's following protocol or not. And, and just the the spiral that happens from that, you know, uh, we're yeah. running out of time. We could talk to you forever. But Hollywood Ways are a podcast one family. It's terrific. It's soaring with those downloads and it's so Thanks. entertaining. It's a good look at L.A. and life and, you know, all the things you'd ever want to know behind the scenes when living here. And of course, Entourage, the spinoff to Victory, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Be good. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Follow Killer Jeans on Facebook and on Instagram. It's at Killer Jeans, the podcast. Also, be sure to like and subscribe to Killer Jeans on Podcast One, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Killer Jeans listeners. You know what makes for a great gift any time of the year and for anyone? It's Killer Jeans branded merchandise. We've got what you need to show off your Killer Jeans. Everybody has Killer Jeans, so why not flaunt yours? You can do it with hoodies, socks, mugs, hats, and even wine glasses with our Killer logo. So for you or that true crime lover in your life, visit our collection today at shop.podcastone.com. Hey guys, it's Melissa Gorga from Melissa Gorga on display. And I am very excited to give you a little look into episode two. I am going to be talking to New York Times bestselling author Dave Quinn, who wrote the book with all the juicy scoop on all the real housewives. Dave, I'm so excited to talk to you. I am thrilled to be here, Melissa. And I have to say, you have so much 
behind the scenes that happened on the Real Housewives in New Jersey that you've never spoken about before. So I'm ready to get you to open up about all those things. Let's make amends for the tea you didn't spill when we talked in the book because you were so nice to everybody. <laughs> and I promise you, Melissa, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to sing on display to you over and over again, but just know that in my head right now, that's what's playing on repeat. Of course it is. What else would be playing in your head right now? Okay, listeners, make sure you listen to episode two of Melissa Gorga on display. 